Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cellular Healing TV. I'm Ashley Smith, and today we welcome Mind Transformation and Holistic Autoimmune Specialist, Dr. Eva Detko. She is here to discuss the whys and hows of emotional detox for optimal healing, and she'll also share her top emotional detox strategies to achieve optimal wellness. This is an important topic, and I cannot wait to turn this over to both of you. So let's get started and welcome Dr. Eva Detko and Dr. Pampa to the show. This is Cellular Healing TV. Well, welcome, Dr. Eva. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much for, for having me. I'm so hugely passionate about this topic, so really excited to talk about it with you. All the way from southern Spain, nonetheless. Yes, at the moment. Yes, there are plans to move to Poland, but yes, southern south Spain at the moment, a bit nomadic. Yeah, which is your heritage is from uh, Poland, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, and um, it, it's a technology, right? This, you know, you're in Spain right now, and you know, here we are. Ah, I love that. 9.30 at night where you are and 1.30 where I am. <laughs> so so yeah. I apologize in advance if I'm not uh, completely with it. But yes, it is a bit we late. Had but to, we had to get you before you went to bed. All right. But that's good. I'm glad. To, thank you for making the time. You know, this subject, I, I actually have been just fascinated. I, I always say, look, I, I'm not the expert when it comes to emotional detox. That's why I have you here. Uh, you know, I'm the expert when it comes to chemical detox, you know, and how that affects um, our lives. But, you know, when we look at conditions, which this is another area of your study, it's autoimmune. You know, this is a big topic for me because so many people have it unknowingly. But I talk about it as a three-legged stool, meaning that one leg, certain gene gets triggered um, of autoimmune. It's different for all of us. We, have, You know, all of us have these weaknesses or susceptibilities. But the center leg is the stressors that turn on that gene. And it could be physical, chemical, or emotional. And in my doctor training the other day, you know, we all were in agreement that we see this combination of chemical and emotional traumas that take place in a perfect storm in both. We have the autoimmune condition or whatever condition it is. And then the gut plays a role here as well as part of that three-legged stool. But you know, today, emotional trauma, I think that it doesn't really get uh, the attention that it really deserves in that trapped emotions are no different than trapped trauma or trapped toxins in that the body doesn't know the difference. So I want to give some solutions for people, and that's why you're here. Um, but let's talk about the problem as it relates to conditions like autoimmune. But, you know, how do traumas cause the same type of thing that, that a chemical would. Well, first of all, I, I, I really want to want to say that uh, I want to I want to sort of uh, draw some parallels here because uh, obviously you talk a lot about biochemical detox. I talk a lot about emotional detox, and it is true. It's for the body toxins, toxins, right? Whether are emo emotional or, or chemical, um, and unfortunately, what happens is. For one reason or another, there's obviously a multitude of reasons for this, but there seems to be quite a, um, what I find, a, a superficial approach to emotional detox. And, and I remember when uh, you kindly gave me an interview for one of my summits and we were talking about biochemical detox mm -hmm. and you were talking that, you know, about the fact 
that some people can approach the bio biochemical detox in a superficial kind of way, just taking a supplement that says, oh, this is a yeah. detox supplement, I'll just take that. Yeah. And a few days later, I'm considering myself detox. And then, so, so I, I have to say that I find the same sort of problem with emotional detox. So this is why I really encourage people to, to, to dive a little bit deeper into the subject because when we have a lot of emotional toxicity and believe me, anybody with chronic physical symptoms, whether it is autoimmunity or something unidentified, which you know a lot of people go through, maybe they don't have a diagnosis, but they have a whole host of physical symptoms that they've had for years. If there's anything like that going on, obviously anything like cancer obviously falls into that category as well. Uh, we're really talking about um, you, you're not going to get to that point that the body manifests physically in that way without ha having a level of emotional toxicity. And in, in all honesty, I, I haven't seen this yet myself. Um, perhaps there's somebody um, out there who, who has seen this, but I have not seen a person with physical issues that wouldn't have complex yeah. emotional stuff going on and they may or may not be aware of how much emotional complexity there is because actually that's part of the issue part of the issue why people treat it so superficially is because it's it's not it's not so easy to understand for people uh, it can be quite confusing it can be quite overwhelming uh, not not people who specialize in biochemical stuff won't necessarily at the same time be experts on emotional stuff so if you go to a functional medicine doctor they will tell you to manage your stress but that may mean that you will occasionally do a meditation and that is just just not gonna do it is it it's just not gonna do it right so i just wanted to just put it out that that, that we really need to you know, we talk when we're talking about cellular healing. When we're talking, well, in functional medicine, natural medicine, we're talking about root causes. When when it comes to healing, so so we want to really uh, go after the root causes rather than treat symptoms, which is obviously what conventional medicine tends to do. So with emotional healing, it, it has to be the same. We we can't just treat symptoms. We need to go after the root causes. And so, of course, we're going to um, go into more detail um, with, you know, early childhood events, emotional trauma. There's obviously other layers to that. Uh, but that's another thing that I want people to think about when you're thinking about your, your emotional healing. You need to be, rather than think, oh, how do I um, maybe numb the bad feeling that I have being frustration, anger, sadness, you need to be thinking, well, what is it that, why is it that I am experiencing this feeling on a regular basis? So obviously we're talking about chronic, chronic stuff. So if you occasionally get angry, by the way, this is a normal human response and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about symptoms, which I will hopefully get to that um, in a moment. What, what sort of symptoms are we talking about? Um, when we're talking about emotional um, healing, but but we're talking about stuff that goes on chronically, day in, day out, and the issue with that is that a lot of people are not even aware that that's happening because, why is that? Because we desensitize. If we're exposed to something day in, day out, and we experience something day in, day out, very often people will get to a point where 
they will desensitize to the fact that they may be chronically um, angry or chronically anxious or chronically you know, fearful, upset, whatever it is, sad, because that's been with them for such a long time. And they will say, well, that's just how I've always been, <laughs> right? So they won't even go to question why they're feeling this way in the first place. They just accept it as, as part of who they are, which then causes other problems because it becomes part of their identity and that's a whole right. other thing, right? Well, I mean, it, it's similar to like, gosh, I mean, I didn't realize I was angry, but they have mercury in their brain. So it's like, oh gosh, I just respond that way. With these emotional toxins, it's the same thing. So how do we identify it? Because I'll use myself as an example, right? I mean, I had dyslexia as a child and got through it. As a matter of fact, I would argue that it's part of my gifting today, right? I mean, what makes me um, special in the sense that I can remember things the way I do. And put, so I wouldn't have even the influence that I have if it wasn't for my dyslexia. However, when I dug deeper here, I realized how many things that I do react certain ways because of my insecurity. It was developed thinking I was dumb because I couldn't read because I was, you know, all of that, you know, I literally had to go off route that. So I would look at it and say, well, I wasn't abused. That's a real trauma, you know? So, you know, meaning that like, that's real stuff. I didn't have that. So I always looked at, put myself in the camp. Well, I didn't have these emotional traumas. Well, I did. And, and arguably my brain, it could perceive it as, tra as traumatic as being abused, right? I mean, so the point is, is that how do we identify it? Like that was me trying, you know, looking back and identifying something that I didn't think affected me, but did. So, yeah, you made a good point there about um, the, the sort of severity of trauma. This is very interesting because people often think of trauma, uh, they will hear a uh, term PTSD, and they will assume that uh, in order to consider themselves traumatized, they would have had to go through something really major, um, perhaps, you know, be in a war zone or somebody, somebody dying or even a divorce or something like that, being abused. Right. And that obviously is, uh, is, is an issue, something uh, like this uh, has happened to, to, to somebody, then that, that is one of the adverse childhood events we talk about. However, uh, people really do underestimate the, the sort of um, trauma that doesn't necessarily happen as a one-off big event, but rather uh, is an accumulation of small, um, small, not even uh, events, but sort of this sort of daily, uh, perhaps daily, maybe teasing at school, something like that. So, so, so I had that. I was bullied at school for four years. So it wasn't necessarily that one big thing happened. Right. Uh, that was highly damaging. That was highly, highly damaging uh, because it was something that, that happened over a long period of time. In addition to that, and this is the biggest one uh, that I see uh, when I work, because I predominantly work with people with uh, chronic health issues and, and highly complex emotional issues, and the one that I sort of um, see uh, as most underestimated is the developmental trauma. And the developmental trauma is even more interesting because it's not about one big thing that happened, although it obviously could be, um, but it's 
it's really about lack of bonding. That's really what developmental trauma is about. And the first years, the, the zero to four in particular, extremely vulnerable years for any human being. And in those years, if there isn't enough um, human contact, if there isn't enough uh, basically kisses, cuddles, uh, connection uh, that every human being needs, then that could result in uh, a person actually being traumatized. And, and that is perfectly, but, and in fact, that, that sort of trauma will usually affect people's identity. So it's not so much that it will just affect their behavior. No, it will cut much deeper. It will go right to, to the core. And why is that important? This is important because when dealing with emotional stuff, the, the behavioral, so for instance, somebody could have a phobia. So they're doing this phobia. Phobia is really a behavior. So, so when they're doing this phobia, they maybe that they see a spider and they freak out and, and every time, you know, they run this pattern over and over. But that is actually fairly easy to deal with. A straightforward phobia I can deal with with, with a client in, in a matter of half an hour, maybe sometimes not even that, and that phobia is gone forever. So that's, that's a kind of, that's it's actually an easy, if it's a straightforward phobia, obviously not, not a complex one. But, um, but then uh, what most people actually with chronic illness will experience, they will experience erosion of their core identity. And that is actually a much, um, so, so that will take a little bit more time to resolve. It still can be resolved, but it's not a superficial issue. It's a core, it's core identity issue. And that comes from a lot of the time from the fact that people, um, may have just felt abandoned as a child or just purely and simply their emotional needs in the first few years of their lives were not being met sufficiently. Wow. And how would you know, just like a toxin, like I always say, when we look at toxins, there's so many parallels here that the number one source is actually what we inherited from our mother and father. You don't know that, right? You know, especially mom gives lead and mercury through utero. Uh, you, you don't remember that, of course, right? You don't remember not being cuddled or kissed, or you don't remember what happened or the stresses in that time, which can create that. You know, I just taught a mastermind uh, to my doctor group, and I was talking about really about functioning from your true identity. And when I, I'm trying to help these doctors, and when I see them not functioning from a true identity, is when they don't build rapport with patients. Um, whether they're speaking from stage or one-on-one, -on -one. and it's because they're not coming across as authentic, you know, in a sense. And it's really the the key is is they're not functioning from their true identity. So what you're saying is, uh, you know, when you're not in your true identity, that affects your life in many ways. Here I am training professionals, and the ones that are having trouble functioning just from who God made them, who they should be, the gifts they have, they're not. They're struggling. It could be all the way back from two years old. That's absolutely right. And it's very interesting because of course, as you said, that's gonna affect so many things. It's gonna affect your whole life because ultimately erosion of your identity means you're not gonna be comfortable with who you are. So it, it doesn't get any sort of worse than that, let's say, when it comes 
to emotional healing. You, we need to heal that. That's, that's going to be, that's the foundation. That's the foundation of everything. Because if you're not comfortable with who you are and you, you, you maybe you, um, you self-criticize, you, you beat yourself up over various things you you tell yourself that you're not good enough that you're too stupid too far too thin too this too that right when, when you do all that on the regular basis, a lot of people have this negative self-talk that just goes on every hour of every day and they don't even know that they're doing it so of course rapport with other people will be difficult because you will always project so in psychotherapy, we call it projection. When you project your own emotional crap onto other people, basically, right? And that would, for instance, manifest, um, let's say somebody um, feels, they, they're self-critical, they're critical of themselves, and they don't feel good enough. Immediately, what they're going to do is they're going to assume that other people are critical of them. So that's what I mean by projection. Right. And so so when you think about it, every single relationship that you have will be affected by that, including relationship with patients, because if you're not comfortable with who you are, uh, undoubtedly, you will impact the relationship with your patient. And of course, we know how important the relationship with the patient is for that, you know, to the healing. Right. Right. So, so here's the thing, it's just like toxicity. How do we identify it? And then, okay, how do we detox these emotions? So, all right, so give some solutions of how we identify uh, areas where this may have affected our identity and this may have caused emotional traumas and we don't even know. So how do we know? So actually, yes, yeah, so you asked that question and yes, I was gonna answer that. So so let's, let's start with how do we know? So, um, I actually um, devised uh, this questionnaire that, that I have on my website. If people want to go in a little bit deeper, I'll explain in a minute what symptoms we're looking out for. But if, if you want to do it at a deeper level, you can go to my website, check out that questionnaire. It's, it's just free for people to, to look at. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure, actually, we'll put that up here that we can go to the website. Because that... that the, the reason I say that is oftentimes I, is people will say, no, 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 I'm, I, I'm good. I, I really don't, don't have anything like that going on. But when they do the questionnaire, that really opens up their eyes. Um, and there are things that, that people wouldn't have thought about when, when it comes to emotional toxicity. But let me give you a few examples. So um, I already mentioned uh, in passing negative self-talk. So if you identify that you do have negative self-talk, uh, then that is emotionally toxic, and that definitely tells me uh, that there has there ha there, there would have been some issues earlier earlier on in in your life. Uh, anything to do with, in fact, poor self worth, poor self esteem, poor self image. Those are the ones that are that are identity based. Give us examples of the negative self talk and what you know. Yeah, sure. So, so for instance. Um, you know, you, you're doing something and you're thinking, oh, uh, I, I, I'm not really doing this right. I, I, I should be doing this and should be doing that. And I, maybe um, I'm not good enough to do this. I'm not smart enough to do this. And just talking yourself down, yeah. talking yourself down really is what I'm talking about. And saying, looking yourself in the, in the you know, in the face, in, in, your, in the mirror, looking at yourself and thinking, oh gosh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm so ugly and I wish I didn't have 
this pimple or whatever else. I mean, it's just that constant negativity directed at yourself. Let me ask you a question. I want you to keep going, giving us examples, but I have to ask this right here. Uh, can it go the opposite way? Meaning narcissistic people, oftentimes out of great insecurity, they make this false thing. You know, it's, you, you look at these people and you go, my gosh, they, they must be super insecure because they're the greatest at everything and they're always right. I mean, so can it be the opposite to protect that person? So um, a lot of people overcompensate and, and you're right. You can spot that from miles away, right? You right. can spot, you can sense when somebody is truly um, comfortable with who they are and they're a confident person, they're an assertive person, which assertive is a positive thing. It's, you know, it's good to be assertive, right? And assert yourself um, in life. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is that line that some people cross. It's quite true. And they go out of the way to appear confident or uh, they always have to um, prove that they write. And, and so, for instance, they would, uh, if, if somebody questions them, they would go and, you know, go and research on the internet and dig out an encyclopedia or whatever, that they will just go out of the way to prove that, that they're right on this particular point. Stuff like that, right? It's overcompensation. And then there's, they, they have almost a, a, an obnoxious self-positive talk, right? Where it's like, you look at it and go, you know, I mean, it's just not normative, right? And they have like that kind of talk too. <laughs> Yeah, and so, so part of it is actually personality trait. Part of it is personality trait. There is, um, so, so I, I use different personality profiling tools, but one of them is Enneagram, which people may be familiar with, right? And that there's nine personality uh, types. But what's interesting is it's not necessarily that, um, that you sort of one thing or the other, uh, it's just that you, you just sort of dominate in one area with, with your personality, and we all do. But what's also interesting is that across each type, there's, it's a spectrum. So you can be at a high expression of that personality type or at a really low expression of that personality type. So that narcissistic type person would be actually the lowest um, expression of, of type A, for instance, yes. However, you see, if that person ever comes out of the narcissistic bubble, um, which obviously with narcissists is not the whole thing, they just don't see the wood for the trees, right? But occasionally that may happen that um, people decide to, to um, embark on self-development or whatever else they're going to do. And, and, and they may actually uh, recognize that uh, even though their safety is in always being right and always being, you know, sort of uh, superior or whatever else that they need to do to feel important, when they step out of it and they understand that they can actually um, be more balanced and still feel good about the world and about themselves. But that's a journey that is very, very difficult for somebody yeah. who is naturally uh, skewing in that direction so yes yeah, so a part of it is actually a, a personality thing but but most people so yes we have a lot of um, narcissists uh, um, out there that's true um, but most people and particularly people who have chronic health issues they will be on the other side okay. of this so, let's look so they will the, be more inclined to do the negative right. self-talk so that's okay, what so the self-talk negative self-talk is one symptom what's another uh, sign 
So another side is anything such as not feeling deserving, you know, so, so, so something happens and you feel, oh yeah, this is nice, but I just don't feel like I truly deserve it, you know? So just, again, just, just feeling like you're worth less and everybody else around you is somehow more worthy than you are. So that's, that's a big identity issue as well. Chronic guilt and shame. This is quite a big one because that will come out from early childhood as well. And I'm not talking about healthy shame because there's such a thing. But most people these days, because the society shames us in so many different ways. I mean, it's nuts, right? It's nuts from the word go, uh, particularly in the West. I'm talking Western society, obviously. Uh, children are shamed for all sorts of things and when when particularly when they're shamed around this the sort of toddler uh, age preschool age that uh, could cause big problems later on so so that is something to be aware of uh, just sort of going in and thinking well do I feel guilty all the time do I feel you know ashamed and all the time so it's something that people may actually be aware of right mm -hmm. Another thing is feeling constantly anxious and constantly worried or fearful. And of course, anxiety is just a symptom. It's not actually the root cause um, because anxiety is uh, basically fear. It's fear of something. Mm -hmm. But it, how interesting, do you not find it interesting that not so long ago we didn't even have um, uh, the label that is the generalized anxiety disorder. Now we have this thing that is generalized anxiety disorder which means that this would be somebody who is just anxious all the time about everything. And sometimes they don't even know what they're anxious about. Now that, that is highly emotionally toxic, right? Because you're winding up, you, you're basically stressing your nervous system constantly. So you constant fight or flight. And of course you can't heal and you can't detoxify if you're constantly in fight or flight, as we know, right? So, and, and those fears could be, could be uh, of all sorts of things, could be fear of failure. A lot of people have that, fear of failure, fear of losing control, which are connected. Fear of criticism, fear of rejection, right? That's a big one. Um, and of course, even things like fear of death or fear of illness. Let's not forget that illness itself is a trauma. So when somebody has been chronically ill for a very long time, Oftentimes, I, I, before I even get to any other trauma with them, I, I need to work with them on the trauma of the illness itself. Um, and some people actually do have fear of the unknown, which brings back to fear of not being in control, right? So um, there are also other things. People who overanalyze or overthink a lot, because what that means, that means that they live in their heads so much that they almost lost the connection to, to the feelings and to the body. And why is that? Why does that happen? Usually this happens as a result of a bad experience and this is a protective mechanism. And some people think that if they able to rationalize and, and analyze the hell out of everything, they feel safer if they can do that. But of course it's not exactly possible to do that all the time. Sometimes we need to accept that there are things that we don't have control over and there are things that we cannot analyze or understand. And that would make somebody that way inclined very, very uneasy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and um, just when people have this, um, often people say, oh, I've got a monkey mind, I can't meditate because my mind is so busy. 
right? And we know there's, there's something majorly toxic going on at the emotional level if you can't make your mind go quiet and that you've got this constant thoughts and they're usually negative coming into your mind just constantly. So the monkey mind obviously as well. Dwelling on anything that happened in the past, you know, how many people do you know who can literally, who will still go over today, something that happened, you know, 10 years ago, <laughs> 20 years ago, right? And they just can't let it go. Is that that inability to let go of stuff, inability to, to sort of forgive that, 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 that resentment, that chronic resentment that some people hold, the chronic grudges, that's obviously highly toxic. And that definitely points that to the fact that there's been, um, that something went on earlier in life, some level of trauma must have occurred in order for you to, to um, have that chronic resentment. And of course, when people are in toxic relationships is another one because you, again, you need to have serious identity issues, i.e. you yourself have to feel quite unworthy in order to let other people take advantage of you and treat you like dirt. So, so in, if you're in a personal or otherwise a relationship where people treat you, walk all over you and treat you like a doormat, then you know that there is a there is an issue there, right? Yeah. So there's there's obviously yeah there's quite a lot within that, but but um, nonetheless, it's really important for people to pay attention to all those things. Yeah, no, I mean you give us literally nine things there that people need to look at. I mean it's not like you'll have all of them. So how many of those um, would you say? Yeah, okay, okay, you need to really look deeper that you have some emotional toxicity from your childhood. So, uh, so actually, um, when, so, so, so I'm, I'm going back to, to the questionnaire because I, I've, I sort of graded it and, and there's 42 questions on that questionnaire. So I've given, I've given you nine, right? But there, there is obviously when you break it down, there is more. Yeah. So if, if you have, if you answer to any more than, than five, then, then you already have a level of emotional toxicity that okay. needs to be looked at. That's right? Yeah, so take yeah. the quiz. We'll, we'll put the, you know, how to access the quiz right here. Um, yeah, I, I believe that will be really helpful to really right. shed some more light for people on, on, on okay. this and where, where they're at. Because right. essentially, before we can move forward and, and look for solutions, we, right. we sort of need to assess where we are, right? We do that with biochemistry as well. Right. And this is, again, the parallels with uh, chemical toxicity. We want to know what we're up against, right? It's like, you know, okay, great. Uh, now we've identified that mold and mercury are you know prevailing here so now we know what we can do about it okay so we've taken the test um thank you for that and then okay great now what can we do about it now what do we do right this is the now this is the detox question how do i detox these emotions out of me that i could live a happy normal life and right also again we're talking about turn off this illness that i'm dealing with because we know just like the chemical toxins it can keep these symptoms there, no difference. So how, I need this next level of detox so I can get where I want to go with my health or my emotions, whatever it is. Yeah, that, that certainly was uh, was the case for me. I when I, I had uh, chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, and I was really really sick and I couldn't get out of bed at some point. And it was not so much the diet because I had already been gluten free at that point anyway, and I. I I was quite careful about um, what I was eating, 
but it was actually doing the trauma work that got me out of chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. So it definitely, and I definitely see that with many of my clients because what ends up happening is I get a lot of inquiries from people who have already done a lot of work on the biochemistry front yeah. because that's what people tend to go to first right, because right. it's just easier. Yeah. And, and then the, the, the emotional stuff is left yeah. you know till the end usually so what, what, what i'll say here is like don't leave it till the end just do this work alongside each other because yeah, that I really agree. so what's you the work the, how do we do it what's going on <laughs> uh, so um so we've got the awareness bit and that is really really important because okay. you can't you know deal with something you don't know what you're dealing with right the trauma work there are a number of superb modalities these days and um the go-to modalities for me are havening techniques and brain working recursive therapy. So havening techniques is actually a psychosensory modality, which means that you stimulate, stimulate the receptors on the skin and that acts directly via the nervous system connection on the amygdala um, part of the brain. So the, the part of the brain that is responsible for processing emotions. And um, this is a really incredible method uh, because you can use it for, for severe trauma, but you can also use it as a management tool. So, for instance, you go into a meeting and you have to you know, give a speech or whatever, you have to speak or give a presentation and you're a bit anxious. You can actually use it to manage the symptoms of, of anxiety. But, of course, I always encourage to get to the root of the anxiety and you can use that method for that. How do you spell so, it? You said ha so, having techniques? Havening, like haven as in haven, the safe place, havening. And the havening touch itself is actually very, very simple, but please do not underestimate that just because this is simple and easy to do, a child can do this, doesn't mean it's, it's less effective for it because it's actually incredibly effective. Uh, it also combines really well with all sorts of other modalities. So it's, it's a very flexible method. And people may be familiar with emotional freedom techniques. I've got havening, so I don't work with EFT so much because I've got havening. Uh, but uh, of course, EFT is also uh, an excellent technique to work with. Yeah, just so people know, EFT is the tapping. Yes, well, that's the you, tapping. Could you show us what the havening technique is? Uh, right, so yes, since we've got the video here, so there are three sides, and um, essentially what, what's really interesting about havening techniques is that by stimulating the receptors on the skin, like I said, you're actually able to change your brainwave activity. So usually when we're stressed or when we're going through a traumatic experience, the brainwave activity is really high. With havening, we're able to bring it right down all the way to delta level, which is the same level of activity that we experience in deep sleep, which of course is when we heal. And so, so havening is very conducive to healing um, in, in that respect, right? So there are three sites and it's, uh, it's really, really simple. So the first one is the face. And all we're doing essentially is strokes like this, right? And it, you can go from the top of the forehead or you can go from even from under the eyes, right? So that's 
the first one. The second one is the arms, and you can do it for one layer of clothing. Of course, if you have lots of layers, you need to remove some of them, but you don't need to do it on, on the skin. You can do it for one layer of clothing. So, so like I've got now and you've got now. So we're going from the top of the shoulder and we sweeping all the way down to the elbow. Obviously, um, I'm just doing this now. You don't need to hold your arms up in the year. I'm right. just wanting to show this. Right, so you're obviously keeping them down here so that you're comfortable, and that's more or less the, the the speed and the tempo of it. So it doesn't need to be too slow or too fast. It's just sort of moderate. And then the third one is your hands, and it goes like this. So it's basically almost like washing your hands. Very easy, right? Mm -hmm. So so here's the thing with this modality. So if you you can actually work on a specific traumatic memory with this if you have a memory of something that you experience that's still causing an emotional response so that's the key one you still need to have an emotional response and if you so so you go to that memory you, could, you know close your eyes go there and then the moment you you bring that feeling up because of course you, you remember something and immediately you've got that emotional response you start happening at that point straight away straight away and we don't want to re-traumatize so we don't want to necessarily go over and over what we experience so what we do with happening is we start stimulating the brain in a variety of different ways so we use humming we use counting and we use um, a sort of spatial um, um, awareness of, so for instance you would imagine that you're walking on the beach or in the forest or something like that you imagine yourself walking or, or skipping on a skipping rope or something like that so there's movement involved and then finally we also use the eye movement um, people may have heard of EMDR. Yeah. Right. So, so this utilizes the eye movement also, as as well as the havening touch. You're doing that, and at the same time, you're moving your eyes sharply right and sharply left. So, so you sort of can go over your own. Uh, if you obviously, I, I wanted to just caveat here. If you have complex emotional trauma, don't don't try and work on this yourself because you could um, bite off more than you can chew. Obviously. Uh, but if you maybe uh, had a you know family gathering and somebody really got on your nerves and then you're still fuming a week later, go back to that in your mind, bring up the emotional response and haven on that. And in a matter of 10 minutes, sometimes even less, you could get rid of that emotional response. So what then happens is you still have the memory but it does not upset you anymore because essentially is the emotional response that's going to put the stress on the nervous system if we just have a memory of something and it causes no emotional response whatsoever then fine that that, that doesn't that's not toxic what's toxic is the the negative emotional response that that memory will induce and that can be addressed with havening and of course if people know tapping then of course they can tap on those things as well on those uh, negative memories so that is one way of using this modality and um, i i mix it with all sorts of things and i like i said i work with really complex emotional trauma so i bring all sorts of other things into it i'm bringing nlp hypnosis gestalt therapy all sorts of other things in a child work because of course when when you were 
if you had issues in those first formative years of your life, then we need to do some work around that. So I obviously use havening alongside other, other techniques to do that. But you definitely, this is a self-help tool that anybody can use. And it's really, it's really amazing because sometimes, okay, so maybe you're in the meeting and you're a bit stressed. Okay, fine. You're not going to start stroking your face, but you can still rub your hands and nobody is going to know any better because people just do that, don't they? Nobody's going to question right. why you're rubbing your hands. So you can even do it in, in the heat of the moment where, where you're going through something stressful. So that's really, really excellent. Um, and then another one that I use um, is brain working recursive therapy is actually psycho, psychotherapy technique. So there's no um, sensory stimulation. Uh, it's actually a, a set protocol of steps. And just to sort of describe what we're trying to do is we're trying to interrupt the pattern. So for instance, people, people know that may know or may not know, I don't know, but our conscious response is much slower than our instinctive subconscious response, right? So, so for instance, if I was to throw something at you, you immediately would either try to catch it or you try to get out of the way right? And it would be something that you would just do. And then a moment later, you would be aware that you've done it, right? So it's that kind of the consciousness only catches up a couple of seconds later. So, so with, what, with what this, this called, what's this technique called? Brain working recursive therapy or BWRT for short. Okay. Right. So the idea here is that we want to almost interrupt the pattern because when people have emotional responses, it's usually that they have a memory and then that emotional response comes in. So we want to sort of interrupt. We, we actually almost injecting something else in between the original memory and the response. So uh, we actually work with um, preferred response and we working with future memory so we we kind of replacing the original memory if you will that's that's sort of what we're trying to do with this one and uh, your mind doesn't actually know reality from fiction so the alternative memory work is actually really really effective and that's another great technique that people can do if they have memories that are seriously disturbing to them they can oh, go give us an on. example of how you would interrupt that i mean what would so, so the protocol has got about 14 steps in it, but, but uh, so, so, and you, you follow those exactly. But basically what you do is you recall the original memory and, and with that, usually there will be an emotional response, but even if there isn't that immediate emotional response, we can still work with the memory. And then uh, we want to, um, then think about how we want it to be instead in that in that moment so we know what we did or didn't do but how how could you sort of um change that original memory to be more positive more empowering so you're more in control and you want to we want to keep it positive so we don't want to be vindictive in it or anything like that just keep it nice and clean keep it positive right and then you also create a future memory where in that memory you look back and you realize hey i had this problem once but now i can see i don't have this problem anymore so that the future 
movie of whatever it is that you're doing is telling you that you don't have that problem anymore. Mm-hmm. And then what we're doing is, and there's, there's other steps involved, but basically you're jumping around between those three stages between those three memories, the original and the preferred and the future memory. And what then ends up happening is that after a while, so you repeat that X number of times, and then there's other steps involved. But after a while, what what often happens is that you can no longer recall the original memory in the same way as you did initially number one and number two you don't have the emotional response that comes with it so so again you can eliminate that that, uh, emotional toxic response essentially so that's a great one Uh, this one is not so so easy to do on yourself but uh, but the alternative memory work this is not necessarily um, something something completely new because uh, in NLP we use the alternative memory work as well and that people can do on themselves so so that is as simple as going over the traumatic memory or whatever memory that upsets you still and gives you that um, feeling of fear anger frustration whatever or sadness and then you go over that memory in in a different way. So, so you create a different movie of that memory as if you, you know, um, you're still there doing, doing something different in order for that memory to give you a better, so you have a better outcome in the memory, in other words, yeah? So you change the outcome. And so that's another sort of psycho, so that's more of a psychotherapy. Um, um, but another one that I really, really want people to have a go at is, um, is the inner child work. Because that, that's huge, because um, as I described, we have those different stages of child development. We've got, your, your, we've got infancy, we've got toddler, preschool. Uh, John Bradshaw was, was uh, the one who described this really well. If, if somebody wants to um, know a little bit more about this, uh, John Bradshaw's Homecoming is a great book to read. And he um, basically, so he talked about infancy, toddler, and preschool, and school child. And we have different emotional needs through those different stages because as we develop, our needs change. So in the infancy stage, of course, it's all about touch, it's about that kind of comfort, physical comfort. But then as we, um, as we become a little bit older, uh, we start learning to say no. And then we start to communicate and, and so on and so on. So, so I, I need change through those different stages. And sometimes when people, for example, have difficulty saying no, I already know that there was something that happened at the toddler stage because they never developed this ability to say no and feel good about saying no. And that's another symptom when people just say yes to everything and then they feel resentful about it but they're just not able to say no to people so so that's already a a, a little you know right. red light there uh, another one is for instance when people have difficulties expressing anger that will be more to do with the preschool stage so what um what we can also do is we can uh, go if, if people don't have specific memories or when they really when they were really little it doesn't stop them from imagining, so we're creating some imagery around this um, 
time of our lives, even if it's not real, it doesn't matter, because I already told you, your subconscious mind doesn't really tell the difference between what's real and what's not real, which is why you can alter memories and get a better response. So we can um, create that imagery around the child, and then we can bring our adult self into that memory, and we can be the protector for that child. And this may sound like something really weird, but people have incredible emotional releases and responses when they do this exercise. Again, if you know that you had loads of trauma as a child, then maybe you do need to be guided through this process, right? If you feel that, you know, your childhood was ah, okay, but you know, maybe there were some wounds there that you want to heal, okay. But if you know that you had a lot of trauma, then uh, potentially that exercise can bring out a lot of stuff that you may feel completely overwhelmed by. So if you're in that camp, then it's better to just get a, you know, two free sessions with somebody to guide you through this process and then, yeah. then you're done, right? But I just, you know, just want to be sort of do this responsibly so that I don't, I don't want people to end up in a situation where they're not able to handle the, right. the, their own work because people can do their own work and I encourage I always that's how I work with people I coach and teach people to do a lot of their own work but there is sometimes that you know when there's a lot of complexity it, it really pays off to have a little bit of guidance at the beginning and then you take it away and you can do it yourself yeah yeah wow I mean and I agree I some people are going to need a coach I mean that's what they hire me for right it's like you know you're too toxic. You can't do this alone. Although I encourage people, I teach people all the time. This is what you should be doing in your life. However, uh, many people are far too toxic uh, physically, chemically to do it on their own and they need a coach. That's what I do, right? But same with this, you know, you made great suggestions here, but many people watching and listening, you need a coach because you could end up in great doo-doo. Uh, just like chemical toxicity. <laughs> so hire a coach. That's the point. Uh, you know, you, you have uh, her information here and the quiz even to take as a starting point and even some things you can start right away. But I'm sure it's much deeper than that, Dr. Eva. You know, it's, um, you know, some people need you, no doubt. I, I so appreciate this because you gave us really good tools, right? I mean, from an understanding of testing, you know, is this me? to like start here uh, right away to start some of this emotional detox work. I, I think it was the most useful show that we've had on this subject. Uh, you know, really, I, I, it's, you gave us great, great tools. As it, it's like set tools, and, but yet it's still a starting place, but we have to identify this stuff just like a toxin. Otherwise you're not going to get well. It's, it's, the, un, it's the hidden toxin of all hidden toxins, frankly. Yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, there's one thing that I didn't mention, but there's definitely a, a place here to, to mention values and beliefs, because sometimes people can have very sort of negative response to life, not necessarily as a result of trauma, but as a result of something that I call social engineering. And this basically happens to all of us from the word go, we come into this word and immediately we're being passed on other people's values and beliefs because quite honestly without them we would not be able to survive because you need to know that you don't stick your hand in the fire because this is a bad thing to do so there's obviously a lot of positive 
positive beliefs that our, our caregivers, our parents, our guardians give us when we, at that sort of young age when we need to learn. But at the same time, they have their own hangups and they have their own insecurities right. and they're going to end up a lot, a lot of it and will end up being your stuff just because it was yeah. their stuff. So, so that is another thing to pay attention to because one of the things that people um, that I didn't mention earlier as a symptom of emotional toxicity is emotional conflict. This is huge, right? So how do you know you have emotional conflict? Because you've got that constant going on in your mind, right? So it's like, oh, I want to go in this direction, but oh, but no, oh God, and they're questioning yourself and going back and forth and you're feeling conflicted because maybe you think that your biggest value in life is making a lot of money, but at the same time, you've got your family and you want to spend time with them and it's, do you see what I mean? Yeah. And maybe that value isn't even your value. Yeah. Maybe that's something that somebody said to you when you were young and they said, oh, in order for your, for your life to be worthwhile, you need to be making lots of money. Yeah, I mean, and one, do you know what I mean? You just take it on. One of the things that I had said when I, you know, was coaching my docs in this is, you know, look, you have to go back on a timeline. Of course, look at these potential, you know, traumas that occurred, things that really changed your views, you know, and, and also evaluate not just the events in our life, but the people, teachers, friends, you know, impact uh, that had, that gave you certain premises, right? We, we carry these false beliefs and premises that set up certain values that aren't right, and yet it, de it defines our life uh, possibly for the negative. So you have to look at these premises and evaluate them because you're right. Sometimes they're given to us and it's not even who we are and we're living our life in conflict. Yeah, and it's, it goes back to having enough self-awareness to step back and go, okay, what, what is it that is going round and round in my head? Is it that maybe I actually had a client once who believed they were going to die at the age of 60 because their aunt Aunt and their mother died at the age of 60. Yeah. Now, wow, that if you have hurts. a belief like that, that's, that's really bad, right? You need to change look, that. Look at, the, look at the areas of in your life that you're not successful or you're struggling, whether it's your health, finances, relationships, and evaluate your premises around those. Because if you have trouble with money, I promise you there's a belief that was maybe given to you from your family, your father, a teacher, brother, who knows, you know, it's like, it's not right. And then you're, it's creating a lot of grief in your life. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, so that, that's a, that's a big one, but it's somebody, somebody, you know, people can do that for themselves. They can just sit yeah. down and actually just spend 15 minutes, half an hour to really think, what is really important to me? And what do I believe about health? What do I believe yeah. about myself? What do I believe about my professional life or whatever else it may be? And the things that are important and, and just see whether those things align, because if you're not aligned, then you're going to be emotionally toxic and we're back to square one, having this problem all over again, right? So yeah, yeah that's one, uh, another important thing that I forgot to mention earlier. Yeah, no, that's, that's great stuff. Thank you so much. Gosh, wealth of knowledge on this subject. I can't wait to visit uh, your site. I'm going to take the quiz. So that's awesome. Oh, really? <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for having me. It's been yeah. an absolute pleasure. And I, I, I am really pleased that you, you, you're shining the light on this uh, yeah. for people as well, because there needs to be more discussion on this and there needs yes. to be more depth. Not just, this is not just about doing an occasional guided meditation. Yeah. There's a lot more to it than yeah. that.
is this is important. I think I'm going to have you come to one of my seminars uh, when we get you to the U.S. Let's get you here. Thank you, Dr. Evo. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, Dr. Dan. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. This episode was brought to you by Cyto Detox. Please check it out at buycytonow.com. We'll be back next week and every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. We truly appreciate your support. You can always find us at cellularhealing.tv. And please remember to spread the love by liking, subscribing, giving an iTunes review, and sharing the show with anyone you think may benefit from the information heard here. And as always, thanks for listening.